My talk today is about the steamships and the large motor vessels of Yellowstone Lake. What I love about studying this, and I've been studying this quite a while, is there's so much out there about vessels on this marvelous lake, or the vessels of the early time on this marvelous lake, and so much of it is wrong. <laughs> Who remembers what the little sailboat was that the Hayden survey brought with them? Oh, you got it right, because almost all the things you see have that captioned Annie. <laughs> and the fact is, the vessel itself never had a name on it. It was named for Anna Dawes, the daughter of a, of a U.S. senator who helped fund the Hayden survey. And it was the photographer later on who etched on the negative, Annie. little early photoshopping. Well, if he can, I can too, so I finally made it correct. Um, <laughs> she was here with the 1871 Hayden survey. They left her behind when they left. They actually had just brought her skin with them and they, they cut wood to make her. Left her behind. An early park guy by the name of Thomas Elwood Hofer found her later and thought, well, that's historically valuable. So he cached her in the trees at Steamboat Point. A few years after that, fire swept the point and that was the end of the Anna. It burned the trees and it burned the ship and she was gone. Very shortly after that, the park got its first commercial vessel, the Sally, or, or the lake got its first commercial vessel, the Sally. Uh, E.S. Topping and Frank Williams put her on the lake in 1874 and... She was only there a short time. She suffered the ill fate of the fact that some guests borrowed her without permission. And when they brought her back, they didn't really see a need to tie her up. <laughs> so down the river she went and over the falls, and that was the end of the Sally, which was also the end of the next vessel, commercial vessel on Yellowstone Lake, which was put on there by this man. This is Thomas Elwood Hofer, known, in the, uh, no, known around the park in his day there as Uncle Billy Hofer. Yeah, I don't know how he got that, how Uncle Billy came out of Thomas Elwood, but it did. And he had actually grown up a deep water sailor in New Haven, Connecticut, very adept at a type of vessel called a Sharpie. There's a Sharpie. He built one in 1880 for Yellowstone Lake that was, again, he, he had the idea of taking people out commercially on it. He had called it the Explorer. His abilities as a sailor were well served on Yellowstone Lake. He was out with a whole pile of people one day. This got written up later by somebody who was on the boat. And a big storm came up that dismasted the Explorer. So she was wallowing in the troughs in the middle of a heck of a storm, and Billy Hofer shouted and got all of his passengers to stand up, and he used them as a sail to run before the wind and ground her on the far shore of the lake, wherever the wind took him, and saved everyone. Heck of a sailor. He really was. Uh, anyway, little time went by. Some guests borrowed her and didn't see any need to properly tie her up when they brought her back, and down the river she went and over the falls. End of the explorer. Yeah. A little time went by, and, and Wes had this picture in much better detail than mine, and it came to, the, to where we finally built a hotel at the north shore of Yellowstone Lake, and roads were going to get built around there, so the economic opportunity of sailing around the lake came up again, and it was realized by the man who was in charge of construction of this hotel, this is he, Ella Collins Waters, born in 1849, he did a lot of things, served in the Civil War, did a lot of stuff, ended up working for the Northern Pacific Railroad at a time when they were doing a lot of the funding of Yellowstone. They were a little concerned that everybody in Yellowstone was wasting their money, so they sent him to be the general manager of the hotels and keep an eye on their funds. He was doing all that when he became in charge, sort of, overview of the construction of Lake Hotel, saw there the opportunity, and he ended up getting his wife's family to fund him to found the Yellowstone Lake Boat Company. Their original idea was to put a, an excursion boat on the lake, just sort of just take people out from Lake Hotel on excursions. So their initial promo to the government was it was going to be a naphtha launch or a Sandy Hook pilot boat yawl. That was the idea. In the meantime, 
Charles Gibson, who owned the, the hotel company, the Yellowstone Park Association, he summered in, at Lake Minnetonka in Minnesota. I don't have it for sure, but it is likely he who found that there was a steamship for sale there, relatively new, built in 1884 by Iowa Ironworks of Dubuque, Iowa, and already the firm that owned her was out of business on Lake Minnetonka. The only photograph of that vessel on Lake Minnetonka, she was called the SS Clyde, is a really bad one. So I'm going to use a different one of the SS Queen on Lake Okoboji in Iowa. It was her sister ship. When they were built, they were twins. Now when she was rebuilt for Yellowstone Lake, her cabin got a little lower and decks got filled out slightly, but she would have looked like this originally when she was the SS Clyde. E.C. Waters got a real deal from the Northern Pacific Railroad to bring her to Yellowstone Lake. They, there, there was sort of going to be the redesign of her cabin a little bit lower, that sort of thing. And so when she was launched on the lake, she came to the lake in 1889 with the crowd from Lake Minnetonka who had taken her apart there and put her into about three pieces to put her on the Northern Pacific Railroad. They came with her and put her all back together. She got launched on the lake under a new name, the SS Zilla. Zilla, by the way, was Zilla Oaks, the daughter of a vice president of the Northern Pacific Railroad who had cut waters a heck of a deal to bring the boat to Yellowstone Park. Of course, they cut in that deal because they were trying to promote Yellowstone as a vacation destination. So she went on the lake as the SS Zilla. It took her until 1891 to get her license. She had to be licensed by the U.S. Department of Commerce's Steamboat Inspection Service. The government insisted on that. They said there wasn't anyone in the park qualified to say that she was fit to operate, that he would have to have an inspector from the Steamboat Inspection Service come to the park every year. July 10, 1891, she received a one-year permit to operate. One year was all you ever got. That was the first of 17 permits in a row she'd get. This is her right when the pier is being built at Yellowstone Lake. You can see it goes out and then turns left at the end. Remember that for later, it goes out, turns left at the end. She here has no lifeboats. There are some people on her deck. Waters had got to do a couple little test runs with her in 1890 and 91 before she got licensed. No awning, no anything like that. But very quickly, she was to grow up. Uh, there she is, 84 feet long, 14 feet on the beam. Her builder, owner, master, and pilot is standing on her bow. That's Ella Collins Waters standing up at the front of his vessel. Very quickly, he, she, she became a part of Yellowstone. Here's a photo not many people have seen. Whoops, wrong one. That's okay, we're getting there. Uh, the Yellowstone Lake, i just let you know, there's the route she ran in black. They were just establishing a... Uh, at the time when they were putting boats on the lake, they were also establishing the road around the lake in Brown there that the stagecoaches took. They had a lunch station there at the West Thumb. And so very quickly, instead of an excursion boat, they decided to turn it into an option to get from West Thumb to the Lake Hotel. That's why they opened the larger steamship. Now you had an option that you could get off your stagecoach and ride the steamship to Lake Hotel. The little hook in the middle of the lake to stop at Dot Island, we'll talk about that in a couple minutes. This is the photo not too many folks may have seen. This photo was taken in 1892 when some VIPs came to visit Yellowstone in, in sort of their first visit back together since they'd been here in 1871. In this photo on the far left, that's probably Captain George S. Anderson, the park's military superintendent. Standing next to him, the man who's remotely taking that photo with a string, William Henry Jackson, the great photographer from the Hayden Survey. Sitting down in the big white beard is Thomas Moran, the landscape artist that was along on the Hayden Survey. And that's Captain Ella Collins. Well, he wasn't captain yet. That's Ella Collins Waters sitting on the deck of his vessel. He didn't captain her her first summer. He had to hire captains for a while until he went through being a deckhand on his own boat that let him take the license to be a pilot, being a pilot that let him take the license to be an engineer, and being the engineer that let him take the, the test to be a master. 
And by about 1897, he was Captain Ella Collins Waters. But this is 1892, West Thumb in the background, and the, brand, the still brand new on the lake, Steamship Zilla, that the photograph is taken from. There she is, pretty little thing. Uh, elk antlers, the metal, the metal uh, upper awning there, I thought it got added on to help everybody stay in the shade, but when I read a biography of her sister ship, the Queen, when they added it on the Queen, it was because that smokestack belched all kinds of embers. And it was to help everybody not get embers landing on them. But so she was to get, she got an awning over that part, single lifeboat on each side. There she is approaching the pier at Lake. Notice all the lumber piled up on the pier. It's mostly lodgepole pine. E.C. Waters had a winter keeper who would go and keep the snow dusted off the boat to keep it in good shape so weight of snow wouldn't start to hamper the vessel. His other job was to cut wood all winter long to feed her boiler fires in the summer. That's Captain Waters with his vessel there. This is about a 1903 or so picture, maybe 04. Uh, Lake Hotel is under construction and its extension in the background. That's his house on the hill. He, would, he had a section of land there at Yellowstone Lake, allowed to build a house and everything. Zilla going across the lake. I like the guy on the back of it that knew the photos were being taken and put his hat out to say hi. <laughs> Captain Waters also rented fishing boats and tackle to folks. This was one source of complaints against, him, against his company. People always hear about oh, all kinds of complaints against Captain Waters and his outfit and all that. All kinds of complaints about what he charged for fishing tackle and for rowboats and things like that. And when he would receive those letters in complaint, he kept meticulous business records. He would write a letter back to the Secretary of the Interior, who usually was the one who sent it straight to him, no, no National Park Service yet. And he would say, yes, I did charge Mr. Smith $8.40 that day. The rates that you allowed me to charge said I could charge this much an hour for this, that much an hour for that, that much an hour for that. He kept these things this many hours. It all added up to $8.40. So I charged him that. What did you want me to do different? Time after time. Yes, a lot of complaints, but he was charging what he was allowed to. People complained that you were only allowed to get the nice, light, new rowboat if you took a fishing guide with. Other than that, you got one of the clunkier, older ones. If you go to Yellowstone Lake today, we have really nice Grady White fishing boats, and then we have kind of aluminum boats with an outboard you can rent. You want the Grady White, you get a fishing guide with it. Just the same then, the light boats had a fishing guide who was assigned to the boat and all of his equipment was kept in it for the summer and it didn't go out without him. Same thing. But it was a source of complaints. Yes, sure, sure enough. Along the way, Captain Waters wrote to the Secretary of the Interior in the middle 1890s that, uh, that a lot of folks would like to see wild animals in the park. They're just not seeing them and they were correct. Poaching in the 1870s and 80s had decimated park wildlife and he asked for permission to put a zoo on Dot Island and got permission. The Dot Island Zoo, Dot Island's right there. There's, a, there's a, an original blueprint of what he was doing there at Dot Island. There's bison on Dot Island in the corral. Bison and elk. That wasn't the strangest thing. It was a little later in 1899. We herewith make application for a permit for, to have a few Indians to be kept in their teepees or wigwams to be located on Dot Island in Yellowstone Lake. He asked permission of Secretary of the Interior Ethan Allen Hitchcock to put human beings in his zoo. Permission was granted. Captain Waters never did it. Not quite sure why, but he never did it, which would be a really black mark on Yellowstone if he had. By this time, by the, getting to, towards the turn of the 20th century, the zilla was getting too small for all the people that wanted to get across the lake in a day. Asking the man from the Steamboat Inspection Service about how much power the zilla had, the man agreed with him that yes, she could tow a barge, a passenger barge behind her, 
And in 1901, he asked for permission and got it to build this passenger barge to tow behind her. He never did. Within a year or two, he changed his mind and said, how about a bigger steamship? They said, okay. On September 16th, 1905, 110 years ago this month, the steamship E.C. Waters, caption is incorrect, he named it for himself. The steamship E.C. Waters launched on Yellowstone Lake. I'm virtually certain, while, while I don't have anything more to go on than my own studies, that this picture was taken on her on launching day. She has no lifeboats. She's riding very high in the water. And if you look really carefully, the uh, pilot house of the steamship Zilla is right there serving as her tugboat the day she was launched. That is the pilot house of the steamship Zilla. So this is her launching day on Yellowstone Lake. A few folks standing on board, woohoo, just got her launched. All through the summer of 1905, she was, what they say in the biz, fitted out. Anybody who knows it, what do you hear about the licensing of the steamship EC Waters in most of the literature? It's a common thing you hear. Came later, if ever. If ever. Never. Mostly you hear it didn't happen that the army refused to give him a license for anything more than the steamship Zilla was carried, would carry, so she was never licensed. It's not true, but you hear it everywhere, and you can see it in print everywhere. The army never licensed them at all. I even have a letter somebody wrote to the park superintendent saying, who licenses that? He wrote back and said, the steamship inspection service. We're not qualified. We have them come and do it. Here's, part, here's her inspection paper from August of 1906, which reads, total number of persons allowed to be carried, 609. In August of 1906 and again in August of 1907, she received a license for 600 passengers and nine crew. And you also hear that she never was licensed in service, anything like that. It's not true. Here's one postcard of her. Sorry about the quality of it. The back's the important part. We crossed the lake in this boat yesterday, having a good time in YNP from the summer of 1907. These folks wrote the same thing on the back of their postcard. This is a postcard of us. They had a, a real photo postcard taken of them that they made into postcards saying, this is us crossing the lake in 1907. That is the bow of the steamship EC Waters. She was in service the entire summer of 1907, taking passengers across Yellowstone Lake. And at West Thumb, they had to put lumber on the pier. You only see it that one summer because she, she needed more wood than the Zilla did. So there she was. Why? Just the, but it was her only summer ever in service. The why has to do with Captain Waters did not get along with his fellow concessioners. He did not play well with others or the government. All kinds of bad blood there. Oh, before I get there, this is probably her most famous photograph. Uh, an H.H. Tammon postcard of her loading at the pier at West Thumb. Notice this time loading at the pier, she happens to have her port side to the pier at West Thumb. The nicest picture ever taken of her, which is in the Wyoming State Archives, is this one. Just a lovely shot of her with the starboard side at the pier at West Thumb, loading passengers one day at, at the West Thumb of Yellowstone Lake. At this time, a man named Harry Child had come to own the hotels in Yellowstone, and when he wanted to extend this hotel, you're seeing part of the extensions there, that's when the columns went on. This was all accomplished by the park's great architect, Robert C. Reamer. He wanted to extend her quite a ways out to, in this picture, it would be upward, which is to the east. He wanted to extend her up here, but E.C. Waters' livestock barns were in the way. The two men already didn't like each other, and Waters refused to move his livestock barns to allow the Lake Hotel to be extended that way. Waters even said in a letter that Mr. Child wants to extend the hotel this way, 
With his land assignment, he could just extend it back like that instead. Which is actually what came to pass. A wing had to be built back away from the lake with no views. Everybody hated it, and the two men hated each other from then on. They already didn't like each other, and now they hated each other, and Captain Waters was beginning to make all the wrong enemies. Some of you have seen this shot before. This is a sleigh moving through Yellowstone Lake. Uh, Yellowstone Lake. Yellowstone Park, pardon me. Going down to Old Faithful in April of 1903. The two men on the front are friends. It's been pretty well established. That man driving the sleigh is Harry Child, the owner of the Park Hotels. His friend is President Theodore Roosevelt. Lots of letters between the two. The men were good friends. This man, for a while, when he was a military officer, was the military superintendent of Yellowstone, Samuel Baldwin Marks Young. When he was retired, he became the only man in the entire time that the military was there who held the title of superintendent rather than acting superintendent. He came back to the park to be the superintendent in 1907. Some of the letters indicate that he was put back there for a special mission. They're a little nebulous as to what the special mission is. His wife and Harry Child's wife were sisters. When John Sloan, the man that always uh, would inspect the Zilla, came back in the summer of 1907 to inspect her, he was called to the office of the superintendent. The conversation is unrecorded, but when he inspected her that summer, he said something about her he had never said before when he wrote out her inspection papers. Steamer Zilla has been navigating Yellowstone Lake every season since her first inspection, July 10, 1891. During that period, not a life has been lost, not even a person lost overboard. He never made such a notation before. It was in the wind. This is the only known photograph of the two great steamships of Yellowstone Lake together. It was probably a proud day for her, their builder, owner, master, and pilot who stands between his vessels in this photograph. That's Ella Collins Waters standing there. Zilla in the foreground, E.C. Waters in the background. Notice the uh, stationery this is written on. Signed Theodore Roosevelt at the bottom. I have been over the matter with Secretary Garfield, and he agrees with me that the showing against Waters is conclusive and that it is out of the question that he should continue longer in the park. At the end of the 1907 season, the, the decision was made that Captain Waters would not only not have his concession contract reviewed, uh, renewed, they actually kicked him out of the park and forbade him to return. His new steamship was one, it maybe should be, it's, it's, that's how they worded it. It's, it's worded funny, but out of the question that he should longer continue. So, yeah. So, what happened to the boats on Yellowstone Lake? Well, the, I mean, to boat service on Yellowstone Lake. Captain Waters was thrown out of the park, but they couldn't steal his property. He owned the Zilla and the E.C. Waters. They gave the boat concession to Billy Hofer, who had been a guide to the wealthy all those years. He'd been a park guide, some very wealthy people, including one Warren Delano from the East, that ended up liking Billy Hofer a lot and offered to bankroll him in the business of having boats on Yellowstone Lake. Billy Hofer decided to go with gasoline launches. They were easy. They were brand new, so there was few regulations about them. They were easier to get through inspection. And your people who ran them didn't need special licenses. So he got a whole series of gasoline launches from a launch company of the day called the Truscott Lake Boat Company of St. Joseph, Michigan. Well-respected launches of the day. Uh, that's one of his 40-foot launches. There's the two 40-footers and a 33-foot launch. He had a whole series of these things, and you can all help me. I've been trying to figure out for years where he got the names for them. You ready for this? Badupa, Busha, Espear, Espertutsi, 
Etsena Kasher, Lock Pizza, Okada, Seda, and Woodtuck Kali. For a while, Billy Hofer was raising, sea, uh, raising foxes in the Arctic, so I sent these names to an Inuit language database up there and got this wonderful letter back that said, oh, they're not ours, good luck. <laughs> uh, I noticed, for instance, that Espear appears inside the name Shakespeare, so I tried to see if they were anagrams of Shakespearean characters. They're not. Uh, Sata is hard to anagram into anything but at, as, as at, anyway. Uh, I'm still looking for what Billy Hofer was smoking when he named his boats. Uh, but any, in any case, there's the motor vessel Okada, 33 feet long. Uh, I say motor vessel because she wasn't powered by steam, she was powered by gasoline. So the correct nautical term, the correct title for a vessel powered by gasoline is a motor vessel. There's the motor vessel Okada at the pier at Lake. Here's the motor vessel Lock Pizza with folks out catching fish on it and stuff like that. Billy Hofer wasn't done. Those boats just weren't big enough for what he needed. There's his big boat, the Gene D. The only one with a name that I do understand. Uh, Warren Delano liked Billy Hofer so much, he sent his kids out west to have Billy, Delano, have Billy Hofer teach them woodcraft. Of all of Warren Delano's kids, the one Billy liked the best, who took to it the best, was his daughter, Jean. The Gene D is named for Jean Delano, who, yes, Warren Delano's sister, by the way, is the mother of Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Jean D was Franklin's first cousin. That's who this vessel's named for. She was 85 feet long, one foot longer than the Zilla. The Zilla, the highest license she ever had for passengers, was 120. The Jean D had one for 250 passengers. She was a gasoline boat, there were fewer regulations. What was really funny was, that was only for her first two summers, 1910 and 1911. In the spring of 1912, in May of 1912, in fact, out of the blue, a letter arrived to her owners, who wasn't Billy Hofer by then, by the way. I was getting ahead of myself. A letter arrived to her owners immediately dropping her passenger carrying capacity in May of 1912 from the 250 it had been, had been to 175, which is what her lifeboats would carry. The month before, the Titanic had taken 1,500 people to their deaths because she didn't have enough room in the lifeboats. And overnight, the laws changed and it had the repercussions went all the way to Yellowstone Lake. Pretty cool. Billy Hofer found in those first couple of years that while he loved being a park guide, he hated working with the general public. <laughs> and by 1911, he was done, and he sold out to a, the, a new company, the Yellowstone Park Boat Company, that Harry Child, the man who owned the hotels in the park, had created to help Billy out of the jam. Billy just didn't like having to deal with the public. So Harry Child took it all over for him, took over the debts of the company, took over the operation of the company. Billy Hofer went back to being a guide to the wealthy, which he liked a lot better, taking a a small party into the park's backcountry for a week or two on end. That was just more his gig, as, as experienced a sailor as he was. The trouble was making it all pay. This is the Gene D on Yellowstone Lake still. E.C. Waters was a heck of a businessman. During the time when he had the Zilla on the lake, one-third of everybody who visited Yellowstone rode the Zilla. The best Billy Hofer ever did was a quarter. The best Harry Child ever did was a fifth. 1917? She uh, never went in service, and never went in service again. World War I dropped people coming to the park and just took the business away, along with those new motor cars. During the stagecoach era, the boats could always beat the stagecoaches around the lake. That wasn't so with the new motor cars. So that took away her business even more. So then, what did happen? Oh, what am I doing there? Oh, I wanted to show you Stevenson Island with the red circle. What did happen to the steamships? 
Well, the E.C. Waters, it had always been intended that she would spend her winters at Stevenson Island in a sheltered cove there. This is her at Stevenson Island in her sheltered cove. This would be right around the time when she was in service, good paint on her and all that. Well, in 1912, Harry Child offered to his old enemy E.C. Waters to give him $50,000 for everything he had left in the park. It was a lot less than it was all worth, but Waters took it because he wasn't getting any other offers, and he went home to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. So now Harry Child owned the steamships and tried to sell them, wasn't finding buyers anywhere. In the spring of 1921, when the ice broke up on Yellowstone Lake, uncharacteristically it was coming out of the east, and it pushed her from her moorings and grounded her. By this time, of course, paint's going off her and such like that. She's still salvageable at this point, but... But there wasn't anybody who wanted her. You needed all kinds of licenses to operate steamships. You can still read her name on her fantail. E.C. Waters, Yellowstone Lake. Employees started to use it as something fun to go out to and traipse around on. Take pictures on the slanted deck. The poor Zilla wasn't in any better shape. She was sitting up on the Marine Railway where she got pulled out of the water each year. She'd been out of the water since the fall of 1907, never went back in. There she is up ahead of the Gene D at the Marine Railway there. By years later, by the 1920s, she's on the far right there, a little hard to see with the trees, but her cabin's missing. She's starting to fall in on herself. She had a 3 of an inch thick steel hull, and if she'd only been taken care of, do you remember the Queen? The Queen sailed on Lake Okodobi until 1973. If the Zilla had ever been taken care of, she could have run that along in Yellowstone Lake. Same company built it, twin sisters. 1926, a few things happened. The Zilla was cut up for scrap metal and hauled out of the park. The E.C. Waters had a huge hole cut in her side because the, the uh, heating plant had failed at Lake Hotel. Harry Child owned her. She had a one-year-old boiler in her. The boiler's sitting on the barge right there. They pulled it out of her, rendering her a useless derelict. It was, that boiler was still there when I was hired in Yellowstone in 1980. It was still at the Lake Hotel. It wasn't in use anymore, but it was sitting outside. So, the Zilla gets called up and hauled out for scrap. The E.C. Waters gets rendered a useless derelict. Their captain dies at Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Fitting that he died with his vessel. Four years later, somebody went out and poured 10 gallons over the bow of the E.C. Waters in order to clean her up. And the only part of it that's left was what was under the water that day. It's still out there at Stevenson Island. The National Park Service has taken some nice photographs of the parts that are under the water as well. She's 144 feet long, had three full decks. So, all kinds of things happening, but the anchor for the E.C. Waters at one point in time graced the front of the marina. That's the, the, the uh, larger of her two anchors, 414 pounds. Her inspection papers said it weighed, her storm anchor. Boats went on. They got new boats just for finally just doing excursions around the lake. By the time I got here, it was the Lake Queen that was taking people out. These days, it's the Lake Queen too. They're limited now to 40 feet long. That's all you can, all you can have on the lake. Regulations say nothing more than 40 feet. She's about a half an inch short of that. On purpose. Make her as big as possible. <laughs> if you wish, you can still visit the storm anchor of the E.C. Waters today. It's the relic left from the great steamships of Yellowstone Lake. It's on a little traffic island at the Bridge Bay Marina. If harder to see, but if you can get up in a plane, the outline of the pier is still there under the water. Going out and turning left. The outline of the... Of E.C. Waters' pier is still there under the water where it got cut off and just left under there. So, history lives on at Yellowstone Lake. This is uh, part of a, uh, of a slideshow I have called Airplane Wings, I have known. 
Uh, <laughs> fun things happening with Steve Ships on the Lake. More to come. Thanks so much.